Pastor Ray Bentley with insight on what to do in times of stress. The next time you feel like you've been just taken and your mind and your emotions and your spirit are, are being whirled beyond your capacity, begin immediately thanking God for what He has done. Begin praising the Lord. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Spread news of His people coming down before the King. Lift your voice. Jesus is coming. Join the song. Sing along. Let it ring. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. This world is not a calm place to live. Ads clamor for our attention, urgent emails, important phone calls. The boss needs this, a family member needs that. How can we cope better with the stress and anxiety? Today, Pastor Ray has a good suggestion based on a story in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11, says, now it happened as he, speaking of Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus or Yeshua, master, have mercy on us or have pity on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed, or as they went, they were healed. So here's the story. Jesus is traveling now south toward Jerusalem. We're in that section, actually, in the Gospel of Luke already, where he's making his way uh, to the triumphal entry and into the city of Jerusalem and for the prophecies to be fulfilled, where he will be lifted up on the cross for our sins. Now, as he leaves the Galilee region, he comes to the border of kind of the next geographical area, which is Samaria, the Samaritans, who are non-Jewish. As he comes to one of the Samaritan villages, there's a road, the road that leads out of Galilee into this new area of Samaria. And on the road, before you get to the village, was a colony of lepers. Lepers did not live in society. They were not allowed to live in their community. They were not allowed, if they were Jewish, to go to the temple and worship the Lord or to bring sacrifices or there to offer prayers. Now, it turns out that this little colony, an interesting group that normally would not have mixed together, there were nine Jews and one Samaritan who had nothing in common except now they were living together in this little uh, community, this little colony on the edge of the road. Why? probably because that was the best place they could beg for food or a couple of little coins or some pity or compassion of the people that were leaving Galilee or vice versa, Samaritans going into the area of the Galilee. And so their common suffering uh, brought some very different people together. And they were this little community, this little colony. It was their only form of companionship was other suffering lepers. So now, here's the deal. Jesus is walking along the road. He has a little band of followers. Well, these lepers, having heard this story, uh, are looking. Can you imagine they get up? 
I mean, this is the hope and the dream of their life. Yeshua of Nazareth, you're the Messiah. We know you can heal us. Come. And they're hopping up and down. All 10 of these guys are bobbing up and down, waving up and down. Now look with me in verse 12. It says, then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. This was a picture of these guys' lives. They were very much alive. They were human beings. They had feelings. They were sensitive. And yet they lived in this kind of twilight zone. They weren't really in the real world or real society or real community. And they weren't dead. They were kind of in the middle. They were on the fringe of society. Well, how does Jesus respond? Look with me in verse 14. So when he saw them, he said to them, Jesus responds immediately. And what does he say? He says, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus does something that up until this time, which is probably several years already into his ministry, Jesus does something he has never done before. Number one, he does not touch them. There are other occasions, which we've already read in the Gospel of Luke and Matthew, Mark, and John, Jesus would go up and he would touch them and they would be healed. Jesus didn't touch them. There were other times that he would make a pronouncement, be healed, you're cleansed, and then they would be healed. He doesn't say anything, he doesn't make any pronouncement to them. All he says is, you know, they're, they're bobbing up and down, heal us, heal us, have mercy upon us, son of David. He says, Okay, go show yourselves to the priests. He's telling them to go to Jerusalem. From Samaria, that's a long walk. And they're probably willing to go, but they're not well. They're still standing there, and, you know, they're still with leprosy. Go show yourselves to the priests. What does he mean? Why did Jesus tell them to go show themselves to the priest? Well, he's, Jesus is actually asking them to follow the law and the Word of God. Leviticus chapters 13 and 14 so by faith, they start. He doesn't say you're healed. They're standing there. They're not healed. Nothing miraculous has happened to them. Jesus says, go to the priest. Now, nine of them knew what was at least going on because they were Jews. One was a Samaritan saying, what did he say and what does that mean? He had no clue what was happening. So they all 10 of them now start going down the road. And we read in verse 14, and so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Where was it along the road to Jerusalem? I don't know. I don't think it was very far because one of them runs back. But they're obeying Jesus' word. It doesn't make sense. They're going to tell the priest, we've been cleansed of leprosy. But when they took their first step, they weren't cleansed of leprosy. By faith, they had to obey the word of Jesus. And you know, if you are a leper and you have no other options going, what else can you do but say, well, let's go do what he said. So the 10 of them start walking and they're probably looking at each other and probably I'm thinking some of them are excited about it. In a group of 10, you're gonna have 10 different people, 10 different responses, 10 different personalities. Some of them are going, all right, we're gonna be healed, we're gonna be healed. Others are going, I don't know, I don't feel any better right now. And, you know, others that would demur and, and just say, this is crazy. This doesn't even make any sense. We're not healed yet. This is not how we heard the stories of what he did in Galilee. 
But what else are we going to do? We're going to die. We're miserable little lepers anyway. And so the 10 of them start walking. And as they went along the way, all of a sudden they might have been talking. They might have been deep in thought into a discussion. One looks down and the idea, I believe, it was like 10 new births. They looked down and they all of a sudden did they have new fingers or ears or their skin begins to heal, something radically, supernaturally, immediately comes upon them as they're walking down the road. And one of them says, man, this is awesome. I'm healed, unreal. And so some of the guys begin running now down the road toward Jerusalem. The Samaritan is running with them, but he stops. He goes, wait a second. He goes, shouldn't we go back and thank the guy who just saved our lives? The nine go running down the road toward Jerusalem to fulfill their sacrifices, obligations, and religious duty. But one man, the Samaritan, turns around and runs the opposite direction. He runs to Jesus. So let's close with this. Look in verses 15 through 19. It says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice. By the way, the Greek word there is megaphone. This guy was yelling and screaming. Could you imagine how he'd be yelling? If you had leprosy, if you were gonna die, if you had something incurable and you just got healed, he doesn't care what anybody thinks. He is loud and like a human megaphone, glorified God and, verse 16, fell down on his face. He's not being proper here. He is being totally like a little kid and emotional. And his face is at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. And guess which one of the 10 he was? The one guy that wasn't even Jewish, but a Gentile, a Samaritan. I mean, he was, if the lepers were already in the twilight zone, the Samaritan was on the fringe of that. And he was a Samaritan. And I, I, this is very interesting as we look at what Jesus now asks. He asked three questions. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 that were cleansed? It's pretty obvious looking down, there's only one guy here that came back to say thank you. Were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Jesus notices when he does something miraculous or good in our lives and we don't say thank you. Where are the other nine? Where's the other guys that I helped? Where's the other guys that I healed? Where are the other nine that I cleansed? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Jesus wanted them to come back. He wanted them to say thank you. He wanted to receive their loud megaphone praises. And he said to him, arise, to the Samaritan, go your way, your faith has made you well. Literally, it could be translated, your faith has saved you. That literally this man experienced salvation. You know, this is, uh, how many would agree that when people are in trouble, they're very quick to pray? Even people that don't even believe in God, would you agree with that? But how quick are we to say thank you when God actually saves us and when God delivers us? I put some scriptures here in your notes about giving thanks to God. You, you've heard the old joke about the guy that, uh, you know, he was, he was trapped on a roof and he wanted help and he cried out to God and, and finally tumbles down, you know, because of floods all around him and he goes over the edge, but a nail catches his belt loop. 
So he says, ah, oh, never mind, God, I got a nail that caught my belt loop. Hey, God is in every little detail of our lives. How many believe that? I mean, literally, nothing happens to you by accident. The rabbis say the word coincidence is not a kosher word. In other words, it's not a real word. There is no coincidence. Uh, how many of you have been, should have, or could have died at some point in your life, and yet somehow, miraculously, here you are, you unscathed tonight? How many of you drive on the freeways of Southern California? <laughs> so many times we have no doubt been saved. And how did that happen? It looked like I was going to hit that car, and then it moved, or I moved, and God, you know, I believe with all my heart that, um, you know, when God has a purpose for your life here upon the earth, you are indestructible until it's your time to go. Now, that's just what I believe. And now, don't tempt the Lord. If you go throw yourself in front of a car, you'll find out his purpose for your life was done. You can't tempt the Lord. But there is, we can live in freedom and safety and protection. God is involved. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. At Maranatha Radio, we've received so many cards, emails, and social media messages expressing appreciation for Pastor Ray's teaching. I thank God for Pastor Ray and his family and the ministry of Maranatha. A big thank you to the Bentley family for sharing Pastor Ray with us for these many years. Although we're sad that he's gone, we know we'll see him again and we pray for the Bentley family that they would be comforted by the unfathomable peace that can come only through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's so encouraging to hear how Pastor Ray's teachings have touched so many lives through the years. If you have a message to share, you can email us, ray at raybentley.com or post a comment online at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now, read with me 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Let's read this out loud. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Let's go ahead and read that. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. So again, thanks be to God. Colossians 1, verses 12 through 14, let's read it. Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 3, 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through Him. So we're to give thanks for everything. I would say that we're all probably behind saying thank you for every good thing that God has done for us, even today, let alone the last week or month or year. Uh, you can never thank God too often, too many times. And there is something powerful about thanking God for the things that He has done in your life that redirects your mind and your heart and lifts you above the circumstances of the world. Let me tell you something. Times are tough. Uh, our circumstances are not good. I don't know if you've noticed. Not a lot of good news. A lot of bad news. 
which is why I always am excited to go to church because it's the one place you're going to get good news. That's what gospel means is good news. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And I love to hear that. Well, you know, I've been saying that, that you know, it's going to get worse before it gets even worse. I mean, it, this is the direction it seems that we're headed. Uh, so if your eyes are focused on all the hurricane of swirling events on the outside, you're going to go down. We have to be, especially as believers at this time, somehow we've got to leave the, the chaos, the confusion, and the collisions that are happening on the outside of circumstances, and we need to move into the eye of the hurricane, into the calm that is always, even in nature, God gave us a spiritual picture. It's in the middle of the storm. How do you get out of the fray and the, the wind and the tornado, you know? How do you get into that eye of the hurricane, into the peace and the calm uh, in the midst of the storm? In a word, praise. The next time you feel like you've been just taken and your mind and your emotions and your heart and your spirit are, are being whirled and twirled beyond your capacity, begin immediately thanking God for what he has done. Begin praising the Lord. And there is like a spiritual law that will pull you out of the tornado and draw you into the eye and to the place of peace and the harbor and rest and calm in the middle. And you'll still see it. You'll see, wow, everything's still whoo, nuttier than a fruitcake out here, but I feel so good in the middle of it all. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. These are the promises that bless us and protect us. Now, back to the, the two doves. What was that all about? Leviticus, okay, I understand the Messiah will be able to do that, but what's the symbolism of these two birds? Those two doves, in a way, represent Jesus and you and me. The first dove that is taken and sacrificed and killed and whose blood is shed, that's Jesus. He was that dove who was broken, whose body was broken, whose blood was shed. The second dove, not, not a feather on his body is harmed. He's held comfortably but he is taken and he is drenched in the basin of water mingled with the blood of the first dove. And so now it is for him to realize as he is released as an offering of praise and thanksgiving and he flies and the water and the blood is, is flowing away behind him, he is free. He is the symbol and the picture of you and I who are now free to soar and to glorify God covered in the blood of the Lamb who washes away my sins and who has saved me. That's how these lepers were to, you know, to praise the Lord and to give thanks to him. But only one came back to say thank you. Again, Jesus said, your faith has made you well, but it also can be translated, your faith has saved you. The Samaritans' friends, I believe, made it to Jerusalem, and they did probably fulfill Leviticus 13 and 14, and they were, I'm sure, uh, pronounced or declared clean by the priest. But the Samaritan who ran back to Jesus and said thanks was declared saved by the Son of God. As wonderful as it is to receive a physical healing, it is far more wonderful to experience eternal salvation. Cure for the troubled heart. It's interesting that in Romans chapter 1, Paul, who wrote to a Roman world and a Roman empire that was crumbling in the midst 
of Christianity being planted said this in Romans 1.21, because, why? He talks about God's judgment falling upon the Roman Empire. Why? He says, because, here's the reason, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. They stopped thanking God. They stopped glorifying God. They replaced God with themselves. And that unthankful heart ultimately resulted in that Roman Empire falling under its own weight. Second Timothy chapter three, interestingly, Paul talks about the last days and what the times will be like. He says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, and what's the last word? Unthankful. Is a sign of being separated from the Spirit of the Lord. When you have had a genuine work of grace in your heart and your life, you are thankful about it. Okay, turn with me. Leave, let's leave Luke, and I want to read two more scriptures. Turn with me to the book of Revelation. There's no better place than to go all the way into the book of Revelation, and literally we'll through the word tonight, enter into heaven and find out what's going on and learn from these guys how to praise the Lord. Revelation chapter four, beginning in verse nine. We're gonna read verses nine, uh, or I'm gonna read verses nine through 11 to you. Revelation chapter four, verse nine says, whenever the living creatures, and this would have been uh, the description of the, probably the cherubim angels around the throne of God, give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders then fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and are created. And then go down to the next chapter. Revelation chapter five, verse 11 says, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels, millions of angels around the throne, the living creatures, the cherubim again, and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times, 10,000 and thousands of thousands. That means hundreds of millions. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing, world without end. And then in Revelation 19, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, comes, his eyes as a flame of fire, hair as white as snow, sword proceeding as it were out of his mouth, for the word of God comes out and the kingdom of God comes from heaven to the earth. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Pastor Ray Bentley, with insights today from our study in Luke and in the book of Revelation. Glad you've joined us here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, The Power of Praise. If you missed any part of the presentation, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. 
Plus, click About and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email, free of charge. And then, after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we are approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.